On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. Matewa, O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Let's have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Mainstay of the show, Will. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's back built again. around you. Yeah, the big star. <laughs> built around uh, you. Yeah, good to be back. Good to be back. Good, yeah. good, a, lot of, a lot of good uh, good rugby in the weekend. Yeah, you... you I got one of the results rugby. wrong. Yeah, you, went, you didn't back Connacht. No, no, no. Uh, I believed in them. I put money on them. The bet was cancelled because apparently the bet went through at 17 seconds past three o'clock and the game kicked off at three o'clock and those gougers and Paddy Power refused to honour my bet. <laughs> so you should all be ashamed of yourself and Paddy Power. The isn't about settling scores, Will. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I, I, I should have won 55 euro more than I did. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. Get the, te- get the bet in on time. So you know the rules. I handed the bet. A, the, the bet was placed across the counter at two fifty nine. No one likes and thirty seconds. Seriously, no one. Yeah, when you're getting paid as much as you, is for me it would have been a, mean? a big difference <laughs> to my side. I'm a lowly coffee maker in the bank, man. Seriously, I'm not allowed <laughs> yeah. to do anything more than yeah. that. Um, yeah, well, look, great weekend for the provinces. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm delighted I was wrong about Connacht. I thought that was going to be a tough one away, but um, I think it was great intercept. I think it was Jack, Jack Hardy, Hardy in the yeah, end. What a week! Yeah. <laughs> what a week for him. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, Great result for them. And one of the tries, the, the, the try, it was a beautiful move. Do you know the way everyone's doing that switch back? Mm. They added in another layer and then Tiernan O'Halloran coming in as well, I think, to finish it off. I think it was Tiernan O'Halloran. Uh, lovely, two kind of switches. They really exposed it. You, they would have done quite a bit of work on that. So very creative. Just before we get into the, a few of the, the matches, uh, Jack Cardi being in the Ireland squad over Ross Byrne, surprised for, for pretty much everyone. We, did, we hadn't flagged it in the show last week anyway. Yeah, I what's, your, really, what's your read on it? Well, look, I think like Jack has played very well. He did very well in the head-to-head, um, you know, in 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 the RDS. Uh, although Kieran Frawley was sorry, was Kieran Frawley starting that one? I'm sorry, I'm not 100 percent sure on that off the top of my head. But he did well in that match, and that was a big big one for him, you know. Uh, and he has been playing well. Uh, he's been consistently playing well. He's place kicking uh, consistently as well, from what I've seen of him. So, am I surprised? I'm not. I still, for me, it's going to be Ross Byrne. I think is better. I thought Ross Byrne was outstanding against Toulouse and I was delighted for him that he stood up in that game. Um, 
That made it even more surprising, though, because... It didn't, it didn't. Like, I think, look, Joe, I, I think it's not... Like, at the end of the day, I don't think either of those guys are probably going to be getting the line share of game time anyway. Like, mm-hmm. they might be sitting on a bench here or there. So I'm not sure that it actually really... Matters. Like, it's good to be in camp. Yeah. Ross Byrne has been in camp. He knows what's expected there. I think, actually, the extra bit of game time could do him good anyway. And I think the same for Jack. I think Jack could probably be heading back to play for Connacht anyway. So, um... That'd be my view on it. I think it's probably better from Joe's perspective that he gets more guys into camp. I think that's probably what's after happening is he says, do you know what? I wouldn't mind just in case there's an injury crisis, two out halves go down, whatever it may be, um, that now I have you know another guy who's been in the setup, who's seen what's expected, who knows the standard. I think that's what's really happened here. Um, I was on to Ross during the week just to say, listen, you know, keep the head up, keep the chin up, keep going. This is the important because Joe's going to be really watching here. I still think he's probably ahead of Jack Cardi, in my, to my mind. Um, because I think he's probably getting exposed to a lot of, like, bigger games more regularly, you know, and he has played a lot of Champions Cup games over the last couple mm-hmm. of years. So, um, great for great for, for Jack, disappointing for Ross, but I think there's probably what's after going on is the experience thing, Will. Smart to keep Ross mm-hmm. on side for future guest appearances as well. You well, should, he was excellent when be, he came yeah, on. Yeah, he was very say, good. So you should be sprinkling texts around Ross, the Irish rugby community. Just, yeah, oh, great game or hard luck there, mate. I know, but look, it is important. Yeah. Well, well, as I say, it's you, you kind of can tell your friends in the times when things go, don't go well. Yeah. So, uh, look, he was great to come on the show and he's a good guy anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm sure he took it well. Uh, and he did from what I can see he rebounded really well against Toulouse so good to see that yeah so uh, Munster Exeter we, we kind of flagged that as the, the big one to watch uh, Munster just about won the game uh, they, they were poor though uh, they were it was difficult enough um, opposition I think yeah. I was actually a bit Tough surprised to play against them yeah because they didn't play well I kind of was expecting a bit more of Exeter and it's kind of been as you said uh, last week on the show like they've kind of failed to deliver you know a few times like they needed 8 points was it to quality they needed mm. to beat Munster by 8 points Munster did not play well uh, and they are, look, it was scrappy, it was plucky, all those words. Um, and it was a great Billy Holland at the end, superb stuff to get the steal. Um, you know, but like just ugh, disappointing in it for, for Exeter. Like Munster were through anyway, so it was fine. But but you, you think about, they, okay, fair enough. They had the decision to go to the corner as much as possible. But when you're, you only need an eight point win. You know, be pragmatic. Yeah, the eight you? point win, eight nil is enough to get you in. You don't need four tries. So I, I thought that that maybe was a little bit misguided. I think so as well. I think that'll that that like you see Lancer doing it from time to time, but at at some stage they'll still will take a kick. Like you know, I I thought that was a mistake by Exeter. I think there's some teams that you're going to be able to grind away at. Like I don't think Munster are ever going to lose heart at home. Like you'd have to be drilling them by like fifty points for that to happen for them for them to throw in the towel at any stage in there, which is let's face it, never going to happen. Um. I think, you know, at times against Munster, you're going to have to hang in there against them. And you're going to need a few points in the board, perhaps. So uh, I think that was a poor decision. I don't think Munster team are going to get bullied. So that's not really a tact that I think that's going to work against them. They're one of the top teams in, in, in Europe and have been for forever, forever at this stage, really. Even though there's been times where you're saying, oh, I don't think they have enough to win the competition. I don't think they're in that bracket at the moment. So mm. uh, I think that was a poor error. Uh, I think they'll learn a bit from it because they are a good team. Um, but it was a big mistake, Will. And we'll be talking to Ian Madigan in just a few minutes, talking about how he's getting on the Premiership. But just uh, one more, one or two more questions on the on the weekend. It was a really good win for Ulster as well. Thirteen 0 down away to Leicester. It looked like it could have been one of those away days for them when they haven't really delivered in Europe. But fought back really well. John Cooney was really good off the bench. Yeah, he was great, wasn't he? Really good. And yeah. now they set up Leicester Ulster in the quarter final. Yeah, look, it's a cracker, and I'm I'm delighted it's not the that the the teams from the pool are. Oh, fa- yeah, like, that would have been three ridiculous. rematches would have been yeah, enough. brutal enough for yeah. the competition to be honest with you, will so. 
uh, great to see them win it. Great to see them back where they belong. They are a rugby powerhouse. They've great tradition up in Ulster. Uh, and as well, some good news today. That guy got a life ban for that absolute garbage carry on up there, which is great to see. Um, because it kind of, I think it further it continues on the journey yeah. the, the kind of goodwill that they've generated in the last year deal with it swiftly and move on now done yeah. and deal with it yeah, exactly yeah. but be really hard on because mm. that stuff just doesn't belong in the game so it's been a big week for Ulster Rugby fair play to them um, and uh, yeah no they did re- like it was great I, again Will I've had a like, and I think I know it's been a complaint, a complaint amongst Ulster supporters and the club and, as a whole that they haven't really delivered on the big stage and especially away from home Will like they've had lots of big games against you know, Leinster particularly. The last time I saw them really have a big performance like that away from home in a ma- match that really mattered was against Munster and Thoman Park. That's a long time ago at this mm. stage, Will. So uh, that was big for the club. Uh, delighted for them. And again, a big week for them just uh, on the off-the-field off, off the field stuff as well. And now it's time to unveil my 1-8 to eight Champions Cup power <laughs> rankings that have been tabulated and formulated by the best minds here in the building. Number one, Leinster. Number two, Saracens. Number three, Munster. They've overtaken Racing 92 in my eyes now. Ooh, just big. Look, That's look, big. looking at the bracket and who they have to go through to get to the final. Number four, Racing. Number five, Toulouse. Number six, Edinburgh. Number seven, Ulster. And number eight, Glasgow. Edinburgh above Ulster? Yeah. Ooh, Ulster are going away to play Leinster. That's they're not. Oh, sorry, but I thought we were just talking about like. Oh, it's so a fifty percent. You need to tell. See, sorry, I hang was, on. How you are? Fifty percent is weighted towards the current form. Fifty percent is weighted <laughs> towards the overall path to glory. Well, so you're never going to be a data analyst. Taking that into account, you know, account. you can't just throw out these. You know what I mean? the, no, this this was hypothesis was devised by the best and brightest we have in this company. So I can only go with what the <laughs> only you is it the information that I'm given. The, uh, the place is doomed if that's the case. Will no, uh, look interesting. I think like. Um, yeah, look, I think maybe the, the Munster Rassing one, I think Rassing are stronger than Munster. I, I, I think I'm, I've been really impressed with them. They struggled at halftime. They were in a bit of a hole um, on the weekend. They came back really, really strong. They've lots of threat. Their pack is really strong, Will. My thing, with them, contain them. my thing with them is with Finn Russell, as much as I like watching him, you always are in with a chance because he, he blows up like few other outhouse <laughs> in Europe. I'm sorry, he does. He does. You saw him a Kingspan. You saw him a Kingspan, though. He missed four com- three conversions and missed touch with <laughs> Jesus, a penalty. Man. I think he's He's a great player. I think he's a great player as well, but he's susceptible well, to those games where he could he could kick one from six and put two penalties out in the full. Yeah, I'm not sure that's as big an issue with them as it is with Scotland or Glasgow. Well, no, Glasgow have been very strong, but I think no, I think because of Racing's pack, that's not as much of an issue for them. Will I think they're going to be able to squeeze teams out of their defence is usually very good, even though they leaked a lot of tries um, on the weekend. Um, they're pretty strong, they're, and they've lots of threat. Like Imoff, Zebo's on fire. Um, you know they they look like they've lots of threats to to me. Will um, difficult side to beat. Uh, look, I get it. Munster playing great. They were really good against Gloucester. Um, I was expecting a bit more from from them on the weekend. Even though Exeter is a difficult ass, they're just usually so strong at home. So maybe I was a little bit disappointed in that. Uh, good to see Joey kicking well in that. I will say on an aside because you know you're gonna have a few times when the team isn't playing well. Mm. You know, Peter Manny struggling with injury. You know, etc. etc. Bits and bobs that aren't go, aren't going your way. And you're playing against a good team, so you need a few tight ones like that. Um, so yeah, look, look it was uh, positive on, on, on lots of on lots of fronts there. Well, for me, yeah, great weekend of rugby, and now we're going to look ahead to cross channel matters in the English Premiership. Delighted to be joined on the line for the fourth time on the left wing by none other than Ian Madigan. Ian, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, obviously, you pay very well. So <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we have you on speed dial. Yeah, it's costly enough. Ooh, Paul, tetchy, is it? This is, uh, this, if this is going to be a taste for things to come, you will not be on a fifth time, my friend. <laughs> oh, brilliant. No, great opener, man. We are delighted to have you on. And it actually feels like it's been a while, though, because I think we did a few last year. Uh, but again, it is great to have, uh, I suppose, a different opinion from someone who is outside the system here. Um, well, the last time we had him on, I, I accidentally said at the end of the show, well, if things are going well in the Premiership, we'll have you on again. Like, as if you weren't going well, we wouldn't have you on. So I'm delighted to have you on <laughs> in pretty good circumstances. Uh, Bristol obviously newly promoted. But uh, it's been an interesting couple of months. How have you found overall the adjustment to the Premiership? Because I know when we talked to you last, you were really excited to see what the league was like. Yeah, look, it's it's been um, a bit of a roller coaster in a way. Um, we've had some great wins at home, uh, beating you know Quinns, Leicester, um, Newcastle, and and Bath in our opening game. Um, unfortunately, we haven't picked up any wins on the road yet, but we're we're getting closer to that. And um, I do really feel like we're kind of at the halfway point in the, in the Premiership season now. I do really feel like um, you know there's a there's a, there's a a big run of games in front of us. Um, it's a very compressed league. Like if you look at if you look at where we're sitting in tenth at the moment, but we're only uh, five points off third. So um, there's a lot of games coming up that are you know really eight point games where you can you know jump ahead of a side that that could be two or three uh, two or three spots ahead of you in the league. Um, but yeah, I, I think with the Premiership, you find every week you're you're either playing in a derby, you're playing to avoid relegation, you're playing to try and get in the top six, or you're playing to try and get in the top four, or you're competing to be, you know, first or second, you know, as Exeter and Saracens are. So, um, it, you know, it makes for a good billing every week. And Mads, it, one of the one of the things uh, I suppose that that struck me definitely in the last couple of years has been a lot of the chat, and obviously with the change in format for the Champions Cup as well, a lot of the chat around the relegation. And it was interesting to hear you mention it there. Like, is it in the back of your mind? Is it something that you think affects and it makes it a little bit more difficult over there that there is relegation, that there's probably a little bit more pressure involved? You know, if you're as you guys are at the moment, as you I know that the, you say it is very tightly bunched uh, in the Premiership, but you guys are kind of intent now, you know what I mean? So you're, you know, a few bad losses away, a bad run of form away from, you know, being under pressure. Is it something you think about? Do you think it affects the guys over there a bit more? Yeah, certainly. Like, it, it makes makes things more tense. You know, we, we played Newcastle there in, um, t it was our second last Premiership game. Um, and, you know, if they beat us, we would have been rock bottom. So, you know, you can't get that out of the back of your mind, you know. Um, and obviously there's so much on the line there because the difference between playing in the championship and playing in the premiership are just completely poles apart. Um, so it, like it is, it is a massive, uh, it is a massive pressure. Like it creates massive pressure on sides. Um, and when you, you know, you've got big teams now that are within touching distance of getting into a relegation battle, you know, and as you said, if a team, for example, gets a front row crisis with injuries, and loses three or four games in a row, suddenly they'll find themselves sitting in 10th or 11th. Um, so, no, it does. It, 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 adds, it really does add, add you know, an extra element to it and, and means that there are, every game really counts. 
Yeah, obviously, with the style Pat wants to play, it's an expansive style, and, and with you at out half, obviously, you like to play a similar way. When you are in a relegation battle, does, is there certain times where you maybe have to sacrifice that, uh, you know, willingness or, or your, that want to play expansive rugby and maybe tighten it up to try to focus on just getting a result and getting up the table? Um, a, a small bit. Like, we, like we, we've definitely tweaked our game plan from uh, what it was at the start of the year. But I think every team will have done that. Um, and... You know the great thing is with Pat, like he'll he'll give you a really clear game plan each week, um, and the players we have, you know, we fully buy into it, and we believe that if we go out and execute that game plan, we can we can beat any team in the Premiership. Um, that, like saying that, we probably started off the year, you know, being willing to run the ball from our own line, and you know we'll still do that now if it's on, but we probably have, um, or we do have more tools to be able to you know, kick effectively and exit more effectively than we would have at the start of the year. Um, you know, and I think I think every team kind of, de- you know, develops as the year goes on. You kind of see what other teams are doing that's effective. Um, and also, you, you start finding out what your strengths are. And we're, we're very lucky. We've got some, um, some of our back three guys are very good in the air. So, you know, we're starting to go to a, you know, similar to how Munster are playing and how Leinster have done effectively and starting using the, you know, the box kick as a very effective way of going from 10, 15 metres out, out from your line to suddenly a contestable that's, you know, 35, 40 metres out from your line. So um, we've definitely tweaked, you know, that part of our game. That's interesting, you know, because I always think as sides, as you say, mature a little bit. I know you probably would have been able to run everything last year, but I suppose that little bit of pragmatism, like it's good to hear that I think that you've tweaked it, as you say, um, because to me, like if you like, you have principles. The squad is built on good principles that got you up from the championship. You know, and you are like, there's lots of t- of talent. I mean, Marahin and um, uh, Tao, of course, as well. Like you've got such threat there in the back. You don't want to go away from that. That's a strength of the team. And with your passing ability as well. I, I get it. What I what I am happy to hear is that you said it's it's the word tweak that's got me, Will, because I think you do have to be able to match the two together. You have to be able to just, I suppose, be pragmatic to like help you, especially because the, the temptation is to either double down when you're under pressure or you go away from it, you tighten up and you start kicking the touch and taking pressure off that way. But I don't think that's within... You have to live and die by your principles to a certain extent. So, it, like, that's great to hear you say that, Mads. And is that something that you have talked about in that context is kind of saying, well, look, this is still our strength, like... Yeah, certainly. Like, and you know, a big part of it as well is you know you can't just just run absolutely everything because mm. you're gonna you're gonna run out of steam, you know. And you like if if let let's say you go fifteen twenty phases and you go from um, your twenty two to the halfway line, but you you could you know you could use up a lot of petrol doing that, you know. Whereas you can be far more efficient with your attack. When you use, you know, for example, a well-executed box kick or a good high kick for your winger that gets you those, you know, 20, 30 meters. And then when you're in the key firing zone in the opponent's half, the guys that are on the ball are still feeling fresh and they're, you know, being effective. They're beating their opposite man. They're winning, you know, winning that, you know, um, winning that gain line, getting you the extra two, three meters, creating quick ball. You know, and and that was something that we kind of realised probably from earlier on in the year was that while running it from our own line, it did work for us sometimes, but it would have a knock-on effect. And finally, when we get into the opponent's 22, 
guys were running low on energy and you know that's when we needed them at their best so it was kind of the, you know the, looking at the bigger picture of it and, and making sure that you know we're preserving the right guys for the right time that when we do pull the trigger to go wide to the likes of of um of charles and 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 luke morahan um or steve lua too if he's in the in the wide channels that you know they're ready to go and they're going to be really destructive and while we're kind of getting into I guess, a bit of tactical talk, has there been any team you've come up against that you were really impressed with a certain thing they were doing in the game that maybe you that surprised you or that you just thought was really effective? Um, yeah, like in fairness to the Premiership, the, the standard across the board is really good, and if, if you're if you're not on your game on a given week, you're going to get beaten um, and beaten badly. Um, so what we found is with Saracens, you know, if you if you try and play, you know, pass, pass, pass across the back line, they're going to come up. And before you know it, you're 10 metres behind the gain line. And then you've got guys like Atoje and uh, um, and the likes coming in, counter-rooking, and it just creates chaos. The ball shoots out the side. They, they dive on it, two passes. And before you know it, you're in behind your post. Um, so you've got to be clever in, in, you know, how you attack against certain teams. But then... For example, when we played Newcastle, we found that they were defending much tighter to the rook. Like they didn't want anyone going through them, so we had opportunities then to, you know, play through um, the out half's hands, play through our midfielders' hands, and you know, go from edge to edge. And by doing that, you're making you know 10, 15 meters each time. Um, so we're we're very lucky. Like Pat, Pat and uh, Pat does a huge amount of analysis on on the teams that we're playing. And off the back of that gives us a really clear game plan, um, which we practice obviously all week and then we do our best to go ahead and execute that at the weekend. And how have you found, I guess, starting week in, week out against, as you said, such competitive teams that you're playing against? I guess last year you would have been, the team would have been winning quite easily in the championship. The year before in Bordeaux, you would have been in and out of the team. So maybe not starting like each and every week. How have you found kind of getting back to being there pretty much week in, week out? Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Like, I think when you're playing um, in the halfbacks, um, you really need to be playing. Like, you, you really get at your best when you're kind of, you know, at a run of games. You're, you know, your third, fourth, fifth game in a row when your eye is really in. You know, you've, you've built a great relationship with with your centers, your scrum half, the back rowers know what they're doing off you. Your timing is sharp. Your communication with your wingers is on. You know, as opposed to having to you know, call a call out out loud. It might just be a small hand signal. Um, and that, that that only really comes when, you, you know, you've played with these guys um, and you've built up those relationships in the training weeks leading up to games. Um, and that, that's that's a part of it that I've really enjoyed now. You know, obviously last year in the championship, it was easier, but it's a side that, you know, I've really enjoyed this year. When the, And you find when the when the pressure is on, there's much more of a need for those mini conversations because, you know, the um, as we saw at the weekend in the Champions Cup, it's it's small errors cost you, and um, it's the difference between winning and lo- losing. And in terms of your own game, uh, Ian, I suppose always the, the the worry heading over to the championship was that you'd probably, you know, you mightn't be challenged every week, and you know, you might stagnate, and and, and the growth. I'm sure, like, sorry, I know we we've obviously discussed this off air, but that was obviously a concern to a certain extent for you going over. But I mean, obviously there was a bigger play here, and now that you're in the Premiership and you're being challenged every week by all this quality week in week out, and and the squad is improving around you, I mean. 
Talk to us a little bit about your own game. I mean, how do you feel like you're coming on? What are the areas you're working on? What are the areas you're thinking, you know, like I need to do this a little bit better for the team to be effective? Because I always think that's such an interesting thing to hear because I think, you know, most out-halves have to be introspective. They have to be looking at themselves and their game all the time. What are you doing at the moment in that respect? Yeah, like the great thing for me over in Bristol is, you know, I feel like I'm really getting coached again. Um, you know, Pat's a great coach and he reviews everything so intensely. Um, and, you know, Connor McPhillips, you know, runs, runs the back line and he, he gives great feedback. So the main stuff that I've been working on is engaging the defense as best I can um, and then using my passing ability to give guys like Charles and Luke Moran and Steve Lutua, give, the, the, give those guys opportunities where it might be you know, two on two or three on three, but in a big space mm-hmm. because I'd have mm-hmm. tied in, tied in, you know, tied in the you know three or four defenders that are closer to the rook. Um, um, just for our listeners, Madge, because I I, I kind of I know what you're saying by engaging the the defenders, but is that like just for them? Is that staying in the pocket a little bit longer? So when you have the ball, it's kind of just holding like staying opposite your op, your defender a little bit longer. Is it maybe you know going more inwards towards his inside shoulder, so he has to respect you a little bit more? Like what exactly are you talking about for our listeners there in that respect? Yeah, yeah. So so basically, would be. You know, as I'm, you know, I've, I've caught the ball. I'm in possession. It could be a small thing that just before you've released your pass, you step from your outside foot mm. and you turn the defender's shoulders in, okay. and then the pass is the pass is released as the defender has turned in, which then means that um, he can't really cover the defender that would be outside him. So, um, you know, and that means that if you get it to someone like Charles who can beat a defender on the outside or the inside. Mm-hmm. If he decides to beat him on the inside and I've turned the defender who was inside him towards me, then that's suddenly a line break. Whereas if I just ca- caught it and passed it on, yeah. then all the defense shuffles over to them. And before you know it, like Charles or, or Luke or whoever it is, have three defenders on them. And no matter what, you know, no matter who, what player you are, there's only so much you can do. So mm-hmm. um, that's one big part of it. Um, and then the other one, I suppose, is, is when, when I actually release the pass. Like, it's, it's not overly enjoyable, but, you know, Connor, uh, pa, pa, pass pa, it early, man. It's no hassle yeah. passes. Yeah. <laughs> pa, pa quite often wants me to get hit. He wants me to get hit as I'm throwing the ball. So as a result of that, as a result of that my ribs have seen better days. Though, <laughs> um, you deserve it, man. Yeah. I played the center inside you for years. You, you've been throwing yeah. me those passes for years, man. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, look, that is great, though, because it's it's interesting. I think for lots of our listeners, and especially if we've any young listeners, you know, that's a really fundamental part of the game. But it's interesting. Like Ian Madigan's playing professional rugby ten years, and he's still trying to do that. I know for a fact Johnny Sexton yeah. does that. You know, Owen Farrell, all these guys. You know, Bowden Barrett. These guys, they're all practicing this basic skill because it's just giving guys inside you just a one-on-one and it's milliseconds yeah. it's not been able to as you say once that once that defender turns the shoulders in will you know he can't really get the help like he's just a half a second too late if Charles Pieto puts on his footwork so it's great to hear that it's a basic thing that you're working because it's still the fundamentals of the game even at the top level in the premiership that makes the difference so that's great to hear you're, you're, you're challenging that in terms of of Bristol and where you think you're going because it is very tightly punched I mean is the squad ambitious do you think you guys can get in there and sneak in like is there still that little bit of hope there even though obviously as you said you're in 10th position at the moment but like yeah. it's very tightly packed yeah certainly like you know our, our our goal 
our goal is top six, like, and we fully believe we can be a Champions Cup side next year. Um, you know, and and when I say I genuinely think we can beat any side on our day, I I do believe that. Um, we've got we've we've got a big advantage in the sense that we've no internationals in our team, bar you know the the Samoans and Tongans, and their internationals are done, so they're not we're not losing anyone during the Six Nations. Um, our injury injury profile at the moment is extremely good so um and then as as a result of being in the challenge cup um it's allowed us to rotate our squad so you know we're at this kind of midpoint in the season and we're still we're still feeling fresh we're not losing players mm-hmm. whereas other teams you look at like the likes of Exeter um or even Harlequins or you know Wasps who are going to lose some really key guys and then on top of that, they might have injuries in the guy that will be behind them. You know, so, you know, we've got a massive advantage over them. And for us, it's about, you know, coming into this second part of the season and making the most of, of you know, whatever advantage we have over the other teams. I think a lot of people were interested in when uh, John Muldoon was announced as a Bristol defence coach. How have you found working with him? Yeah, really good. Um you know, as as everyone in Connacht would know and Ireland would know, like he's he's um he's very charismatic. Um and you know, it's a huge part of of being a defence coach. You know, you've gotta you've gotta kinda have that relationship that, you know, you've gotta be willing to put your body on the line for for you know, for your defence coach and, and, and have that kind of relationship with him that, you know, before a game you know, he he's kinda geeing you up and, you know, patting you on the back and letting you know exactly what he wants from you and while you're on the field, you're, you're doing your best to to execute the defence he wants, and I suppose if you know you do a good job and, and you come into the change room and you know he's giving you a big hug and a pat on the back, like it feels pretty good. So um, you know that's that's it from a kind of a, an emotional side. From a technical point of view, he's been really good. Obviously, from playing in the back row, he would have had to make a huge amount of tackles throughout his career. So a big part of what he's been working on um, is. You know the the quality of the footwork leading into a tackle. Um, you know how close you get your inside foot when you're making the tackle. You know encouraging guys to chase their feet when they're in the contact and not to just you know flop on their feet. Um, and then I, I suppose another large part of what we're doing we're probably not the biggest side in the Premiership, so we're putting two guys in the tackle quite a lot. Um, so just get making sure that we really clear on who's going low, who's going high and, you know, slowing down the ball effectively. And, um, you know, John's brought in some really good drills um, for that in training and that's definitely transferred across into games. So he's been, um, he's been a real asset for us in Bristol. And um, I think our defensive record, you know, shows that I don't think we've conceded too many tries and, um, you know, hope that continue, can continue into the second half of the season. That's great to hear that he's he's settled in so well. I mean, I, again, he's a massive personality over here, and he was a bloody tough foe a few times as well. Will I've got to say, um, in terms of as well, I mean, maybe we're getting a bit of ahead of ourselves, but I suppose there was a bit of excitement during the week when we saw was it Nathan Hughes is heading up to you guys as well, um, uh, Ian. Like, I mean, like that that must be an exciting. I mean, it means that the club is seriously ambitious and is expecting, as you say, you know big things in the future whether it's this year or not but I mean they definitely see it on the horizon because they wouldn't be able to attract the likes of a, of a Hughes um, if, if that was the case so that, that must fill you with a lot of confidence does it? Yeah big time like it's been a great few weeks for for uh, for the Bears like we've 
you know, we've held on to, you know, Stephen Lewis. The Bears. Go Bears. Go Bears. Bears. I love it. Yeah. They fully bought in anyway. Oh, I'm all in, mate. I am all in. Drinking the Kool-Aid. Speaking of being paid well at the start of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Drop in the Bears. My God. Paid by the bench. I'm in my Bears. (laughs) (laughs) Bear slippers and the like. Go on here. Uh, Talk to us. Let's get back to the serious stuff. (laughs) Uh, Uh, we're talking yeah. about Hughes and the ambitions of the club because it does yeah. seem like it's an ambitious club. No, 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 it is. And like, like we, we've signed on key guys like, you know, um, like Stephen Lutu has re-signed, Chris Vui's re-signed, Alipati's re-signed, um, Siali Piete, Charles' brother re-signed and then obviously we're attracting Nathan Hughes. So like, when you're you're holding on to the quality that you have in the club, but then you're also attracting guys from outside. You know, word gets around that, you know, look, the culture's good in this club, or mm-hmm. look, Pat Lamb's a great coach. Um, you know, we're we're building a new facility at the you know, a new training facility at the moment. Ashton Gate Stadium itself is 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 a brilliant stadium. So, you know, it's it's a real positive for us to be able to attract like the, the caliber of player. Um, that Nathan Hughes is and um, and English qualified is 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 huge for us. So um, no, it is. It's it's really exciting times and it's it's um, it's a great club to be part of. And when you're talking about re-signing, I, I think you've one more year left on your contract, and you'll, I guess you'll have a decision to make. Are you leaning towards staying in Bristol, or, or would coming back to Ireland be the, be the other option? Like how are you kind of weighing that up? Yeah, I, look, what I'm mainly focused on now is just you know having a really good second half to the season. I feel like the first half of the season went, you know, it's it's gone it's gone well without you know shooting the lights out. But I think um, you know physically I feel great. You know I feel like I'm kind of finding my feet in the Premiership. So um, yeah, just looking to put together some you know really good performances there um, and see where that takes me. You know, and if um, if I can be of, of help for for Ireland leading into the World Cup, that would be great. But, you know, I know that I need to be putting in um, some really, really good performances for that to happen. But if I can be another option for Joe Schmidt and, and Ireland, you know, that would be great. But um, as regards clubs, you know, I still have 18 months to, to run on my Bristol contract and, you know, I'm fully committed there. So, um, yeah, just doing everything I can to to f- f- fulfil that. Right. You're still holding like, out hope uh, of an Ireland recall ahead of the World Cup? Ah, yeah. Look, I think, you know, any Irish player, whether you're playing in, in Ireland or, or outside, like, for example, Zebo or um, Dunnock Ryan, you're, you're still going to have have hope and ambitions to, to represent Ireland, especially in, in a World Cup. So, um, it's, you know, it's still in my goals. It's something that drives me on when I'm training. And, um, look, I know it's going to be tough, but... As I said, all I can do is is, is um, you know play to the best of my ability, put my hand up to be available for selection, and you know if, if Joe feel, feels like he he needs me, he knows this, he can pick up the phone and um, you know he's coached me for for long enough, and he, he knows what he'll get out of me as a player. Yeah, well, look, that's great to hear because I think it is important that uh, that you have that carrot there for you. Look, I think it is challenging definitely with the environment at the moment. And I suppose to come to come at it from maybe a different angle uh, and, and get your view on, I suppose, the current state of play in, in, in Irish rugby. I mean, it would have been tough watching on in November. Uh, that big result against the All Blacks when they, you know, had a full team out like that was that was seriously impressive, uh, and the real pick of the bunch, obviously. But as well, leading into the provinces and the state of play there, had a really good, you know, all, all four obviously qualified out of their respect in their respective competitions. What when you look at that, is it is it difficult watching that, or 
I mean, what kind of eye? Do you cast a kind of a, an analytical mind on it, or is there still a bit of, oh, I can't watch that? It's difficult to watch when, you know, what's um, difficult to watch the Irish teams go at it and doing well. Yeah, like, to be honest with you, it, it was it was tough initially. Like, the first probably kind of six months in, when I was in Bordeaux and I was watching it, uh, and, you know, you're kind of going, you know, watching, let's say, the November internationals or watching. Um, Leinster playing in Europe and whatnot, you're kind of going, oh, geez, I wish I was, you know, still there. But I think the grass is always greener, no matter what situation you're you're in. But um, as of as as time has gone on, like I'm, I'm just, you know, kind of an out and out Leinster supporter now. Like I was roaring at the TV when they were playing Toulouse uh, two weeks ago, and you know, cheering them on against Wasps. Um, and obviously, you know, still great friends with with so many of the guys in in the Leinster in the Leinster team. So. Um, yeah, look, you just you just support them and you, and you follow. But I suppose as well, um, you're watching closely for for what they're doing and doing well and seeing um, if we can bring certain elements of the, of you know things that Munster might be doing or Leinster might be doing or Ulster are doing uh, or Connacht and 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 take them and 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 bring them into how Bristol play. And that's one of the great things with Pat. Like he's very open to ideas. Like he can knock up to his office any time and say, "Here, look." I think um, I think this could could really help us, and um, sometimes he, he agrees with it. Sometimes he says, you know, that's Mads, that's get out of my us. office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. thanks, thanks for the coffee. Thanks for the office. <laughs> and Ian, like, how have you found Leinster's development over the last couple of seasons since you've been gone? Like, obviously, like last year, they were, they played some great rugby, won the Champions Cup, won the Pro 14. Uh, like how impressed have you been or, or what have you kind of picked up on from watching them fr- from your vantage point having obviously been in, in the environment for so long as well yeah I, I, like it, it's been it's been amazing watching it like it's just a conveyor belt of incredible players coming through like um, you know even since I've left like you know Jordan um, Jordan Larmer coming through you know I think he's got whatever nine or ten Ireland caps now you know anytime he plays for, La- for Leinster he's a standout player um, you know Andrew Porter, James Ryan, like these are guys that were just, you know, they're were, they're were being mentioned. They maybe played a handful of games, but you know they've they're now nearly stalwarts in the team. Um, I think for like Leinster and and uh, and Munster, they're just incredibly tough teams to play against because they're so disciplined. Um, and they Jeez, they weren't in Tolman Park, Mads. Did you watch that game? No, 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 sorry. Sorry, I actually agree with the point. I don't even know why I said yeah. that, but I was just, no, that was actually no, no, like no. we were at a bar going, Jesus, what about that Leinster Munster <laughs> yeah, game yeah, yeah. over a point? No, like, leaving that aside, yeah. go on, scratch that. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, when you're playing Leinster, like you're kind of going, right, well, we're only going to get, you know, a handful of penalties at best. And then if we cough up, up the ball with a knock on or whatever it is, or we kick the ball down to them, we're not getting it back for a long period of time. Um, and it's similar for like it's similar over here. Like when we play Exeter, for example, you know it's absolute doom and gloom stuff. If they get into your twenty-two, you're kind of going right. We're in for a long haul. You know, three, four, five minutes of them just going multi-phase, and it's really, really tough and it's exhausting defending it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think Leinster are the best best in Europe at doing it at the moment. Um, and I you know bar the, you know the weekend where you know Munster weren't at their best, but up till then I'd been really really impressed. Like when they came over and played Gloucester, it was one of the most clinical performances I'd seen. Um, and you know Gloucester are a good side. 
And, and talk to us a little bit because we have to, I suppose, uh, cover, and you'll be uniquely positioned to to uh, to answer this one. Um, but Joey Carberry making the move down. I mean, it was a brave move to to move away, as you well know. Um, I mean, how do you, what do you make of him? Have you, have you seen much of him this season? Uh, like, because I think he's grown yeah. into the role really, really well. Look, leaving aside all the hype, um, what I really like about it, and you'll know this as well, it's difficult as a ten to, especially when you ha- when you can play the flamboyant ones, to be able to just control it, you know, to and when you're a running thread as well, to know when to to do that and when the right time is to do that. I think he looks like he's developing that very very nicely at a really good pace and is developing into a really nice ten. Yeah, certainly. Like, Joey's got a huge amount to his game. Um, you know, he commands a huge amount of respect from the defence because he's, he's quick, he's got good footwork, you know, he throws a good dummy. Um, he's a very good passing game. Like, he can throw, you know, the delayed one, he can throw it over the top. Um, his kicking game is very effective. Like, you know, he, he's a nightmare for back threes because he can do the crossfield kick very effectively. Um, but then he can also pin the corners. And then, you know, when you've got the likes of you're playing with the, the likes of Murray, you know, he can put up the box kicks. So that's kind of, <clears throat> you know, you're, you're, you've got all areas covered there. Um, his goal kicking something that's really come on this year, you know, it was probably, um, you could say it was inconsistent, but you knew that there was, there was the potential to be a great goal kicker there. Yeah. But I think th- this year you can see... Um, can you just, see Can you just, see a technique, Mads? I always yeah. think, you know, because like, I, I feel like when I was watching him that I... I I could. I feel like there could be something different every time he kicked, just because he wasn't kicking every week. You're not looking at him saying, "Oh, it looks like he's yeah, worked on that yeah, off the pitch." He's saying yeah. he's tidied that up now. But I think he looks like he's a technique he can build on. But you, you know, obviously more about that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it looks very polished and it looks very processed. For me, every kick he he hits now looks, you know, very similar, yeah. if not the exact same. And that's, you know, that's down to a lot of the great work Richie Murphy does. And you know, I was I was so lucky to have worked with Richie for you know, whatever, eight or nine years, whatever it was in Leinster. And, you know, he's, he's, he's the best in the business as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, he goes through everything with a fine, fine tooth comb. Um, and I can see a lot of what Richie would have passed on to me. I can see that he's now passed on to, to Joey. Um, and simple, like it's simple things. Like it's, it's, you know, it, it comes down to maths, really, I suppose. Ideally, when you're hitting a goal kick, you want to be coming in at 45 degrees to the ball, to the post. And um, there was times last year when I would have been watching Joey and I would have thought, you know, maybe he's a bit too far around or maybe he's a bit too square. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I would, you know, I would have got it wrong sometimes, but I would have got it right other times. Whereas this year, I'm looking at him kind of going, this setup looks really, really good. Um, and then, like he's he he he's a very pure striker of the ball. His follow through is good. Yeah. Um. So and 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 you can see that. Like and when you have big kicks like that, you know you grow in confidence. And, and you know to be at you know whatever age Joey is, he's whatever twenty two or twenty three. You know he's well ahead of the curve for for a, for a goal kicker to be um, that comfortable in his technique already. And it's interesting to look at, I guess, his mental development as well. Because I, I saw an interview he gave, I think, to a New Zealand newspaper last week when they, it was, he was asked about himself and Johnny Sexton vying for that Ireland spot. And he said he doesn't want to wait until Johnny retires to take that jersey. He wants to overtake him, you know, while he's still playing, which I thought was an interesting thing to say. Been interesting few weeks in camp. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it, it is tough when you're going head to head with. Hope they're not together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it was worse between Sexton and Rog, like so. <laughs> Robbing his boots the night before the match. <laughs> uh, 
Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, you're in no boots. <laughs> I'll play. Um, but w- w- I guess you're in a good position, I guess, to comment on that that kind of battle as well, because you you and Johnny would have been there at the same time too. You know how difficult is that when you are competing against you know someone of of Johnny's stature and to have that how important is it to have that belief that you actually can get in ahead of him? Yeah, look, you know, it's very important that you've got that that belief in your you know in yourself and your own ability. Um, what I'd say about Johnny is, you know, he's, he's a ferocious competitor. Um, but at the same time, he will do what's best for the team. And like, he was always great, you know, when, um, whenever I was either starting or on the bench or, or playing in, the, you know, playing in the midfield alongside. Or him. when you weren't it, having digging matches, tell the truth. Any good stories? But you know what, Mads, is a, he has a great ability to get under your skin. He's a, he says it, he says about Johnny, he's a, a, you're, he is an ultimate competitor, Mads, as well. The two of them will be going at each other, nipping oh, at really? each other all the time, driving okay. each other mad. <laughs> Don't mind this crap. Oh, well, yeah, you, you can give <laughs> us a full environment truth. I watched this for years. The two of them okay. were great competitors, you okay. know. And in fairness, as much as Joey has the, that mentality, that's the right mentality. But Ian had that mentality as well. And Jack Cardi has to have that mentality. Ross Byrne has to have that mentality. You have to be trying to overtake him. Like, just because he's the best in the world, he has the stature. Um, like, what Like what are you? Are you a, are you a nobody? Have you got no talent? Do you not believe in yourself? I, I, I firmly believe that you don't belong in the setup if you don't believe you, you want to get... First of all, you want to overtake the person who's in the jer- jersey. But also, if you want to get in that jersey now, the expectation in Ireland is that you want to be the best in the world in that jersey because that's the expectation yeah. now. Like, oh, do, do you think, Mads... Like, I know, like... Yeah, no, I, I interrupted your that. point there. I know I was making a joke, but at the same no, time, like, no. you don't belong in the I setup if you don't want you, to be yeah. the best. Yeah, and it's the same in Leinster. Like, it's like, you know, it's not good enough for an academy guy to say, you know, I want to play for Leinster. You know, the the, the, the goal is to play for Ireland. Um, and then if you're playing for Ireland, you want to be the best in the world in your position. And that's, that's you know, where, that's why we're, you know, getting there to be number one in the world. You know, we're currently number two, beat New Zealand in, in November and, you know, are, are talked about, you know, being real contenders for the World Cup, and that's because of that men- mentality. Um, so I think, like for, for for you know for Joey competing against Johnny, I think he'd be. Um, I don't think that the route to go down is to be comparing himself to Johnny and be like, look, I need to be better at this. I need to be improve. You know, than he that than Johnny is. You know, Joey's Joey and Johnny's Johnny. So I think for Joey, he's just got to be the best that he can be. Um, and keep working on that, keep working on that. And, you know, if he's at his very best, will Joe pick him? You know, that's what he's got to be be driving. Um, it's not, you know, it's not a head-to-head battle. It's about, you know, being the best version of yourself, I suppose. Um, and to come back to this, Matt, like, do you, do you find it difficult talking about, like, say, other 10s? And everything? I, look, sorry, I, I had to ask you because, like, I'm just really interested. I think you obviously are, like, we're all, like, 10 is the quarterback, essentially. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of We're like, asking him as if he's retired. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. I, I really am. And I just think you're in a great position to be able to talk about this with some kind of, uh, you know, obviously knowing the position as Inside. well as you do and having all the experience. But, like, is it difficult to, to, to talk about that stuff? Like, when you're a ball, because people are kind of saying, oh, it's going to be, like really like Joe has made it fairly clear that it, you know you have to play out of your skin to, to be considered and if he doesn't really need you because he has options there like it's hard to get in the team like that's the reality of the situation like is it difficult for you? Oh for me personally motivating myself to try and get into the Irish well, team Yeah that and just to be talking about the other guys and because and, I mean you're, you're going to be asked these questions all the time Yeah no like 
it's it is it is tough like watching it kind of going oh geez I'd love to be there but at the same time um you know I, I I've never never found it difficult to motivate myself to train you know as long oh as yeah 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 Definitely clear enough, clear yeah. goals laid out there mm-hmm. um you know I'm still gonna hold out hold out hope and you never know how sport goes like a lot change a lot can change in a week like let alone six months yeah so um you know I yeah my. <laughs> The way I view it is, I've just got to be playing at my very best to be an option for for Joe. And and if 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 that happens, if it, if that happens, great. If it doesn't, you know, I'll know that I'll, I'll have given it my all. You know. One thing I was interested to get your opinion on, Ian. You're probably one of the few Irish players who's now played in the Pro 14, the Top 14, and the Premiership. Uh, like, could you just give me like a, maybe a, a pro and a con of each league of your experience playing in it? Like a good the good points and the bad points of across the three leagues. Um. Yeah, like it's what I'd say about the the Pro 14 is um, I think there's probably a clear divide in in top half and set and bottom half of the league. Mm. Um, you know, for example, like Leinster can send out their second team um, against the likes of you know Treviso or or Zebra, and, and you know they're going to win. Mm. Um, if you were to send out your second side. In, in the Premiership um, or the top 14, I, I think you're going to really struggle. Um, so that that would definitely be a flaw. Um, the lack of relegation is... Uh, or sorry, the, re- the relegation in France of two teams going down is pretty tough going. Um, and then also the length of the season. So you've obviously got two extra, two extra teams you know, within a home and away format. Um, and then you've the barrage, which could be quarterfinal, semifinal, final, makes for a very long season. So you'd have to say that that's a bit of a flaw as well. Mm. But a positive on that means that you've got teams competing um, throughout the season to either avoid relegation, get into the top six, get into the top four, or be top two. So, um, you know, and, and, and that's similar for the, for the Premiership, I suppose, the... You've got um, teams competing for something every week, whether it's a derby, relegation, top six, top four, um, or top two. So uh, that's one of the real positives. Um, one of the negatives in the Premiership, um, I suppose, I, I, I think the Premiership is a very good product. Um, you know, they, they promote it well. The attendances are good. The TV viewings is good. So, it's um it's a hard one to criticise and I suppose they're my employers, so I've got to be pretty careful <laughs> on that one. <laughs> I was waiting, I was like, Don't do it, Mads, don't do it. Um but in terms of France, because I'm really interested in France, I mean, did you like playing all like you know, there's probably a, a few months of the year or quite a bit quite a bit of the year where you're playing in good conditions. Um I mean, is that a good thing? Like I always felt like, oh, I'd love to be playing like if you know good few of my games in the, in the south of France, hard track, you know, big, big, you know, a lot of supporters out, um, you know, really difficult fixtures, especially away from home. Like, did you enjoy that part of, of, of France? I always thought that was an appealing part to me. I thought, geez, you'd be able to play a great brand of rugby down there in, in, in parts of France. Yeah, like I, like I really enjoyed, you know, large parts of the year in France. Um, you know, especially like the first kind of uh, six months, you know, when things were going well, it was injury free. And the team was going well, um, and it, you know, in fairness to the French, like the, the 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 game, it's like a real day out for them. Like if, if kickoff is five o'clock, like they're 
they're in and around the stadium, you know, four or five hours before the game. You know, there's a big spread on afterwards. They're very vocal supporters. Um, and, you know, and the quality of the rugby's the quality of the rugby's good as well. You know, it's very, very physical league. Um, so, no, no, I, I re- really enjoyed those those kind of big away days and, and, and big home days. Like, the support in Bordeaux was incredible. Like, you'd consistently have 25,000 regardless of who you're playing. Um, and I'm not sure if you've played in that stadium, Luke. I'm sure you, you did at some stage, but... Um, it, it creates a great atmosphere. Connacht were playing there at the weekend. Is that the one with the big long um, walkthrough that we played Claremont in the semi-final? That's that the one. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember one. that. Yeah, remember it takes that twenty one? minutes yeah. to get I, to the. I played an, Ar- an Ireland warm-up match for the World Cup in two thousand and eleven. Um, uh, yeah, it was an absolute nightmare. Like you know, I think we, I don't know if we we didn't did we stay out at halftime that time? God, it was Conor Murray's debut. Man, it was an absolute. It was a. It's the. It's most ridiculous walkout to a stadium I've ever had though, on a serious note. It's yeah, an absolute but, yeah. joke. Like, can put up a video of it. Like, I encourage everyone you to check get out back Connick's the video. Room, like, yeah. You have a quick drink and you're like, you have you talk for two minutes. You're like, oh, we actually have to head back. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, like. it literally is. <laughs> the thing is, if that's your home venue, like it's almost like an advantage because you know and you know how to deal with it. Whereas, yeah. like for other teams, you know, it, it can throw them a bit. And the actual surface of that pitch. It's like it's a very kind of spongy surface, and you know, what the what it is. Hmm. Um, obviously, it's a very old pitch, but um, it gave us a real advantage playing at home, and as a result, we didn't lose too many home games. And in terms of the rugby experience, because I always think it was a, a big regret in my own career that I didn't actually try out, you know, a different country, different cultures, you know, and even in the UK as well. Like, how have you found it? Do you think it's developed you as a person a bit more? Do you feel like you're more rounded off the back of having experience of different cultures and the different ways of even thinking about rugby and even outside of rugby is a bigger conversation. Do you really think it's benefited you and would you recommend it to other players? Yeah, certainly. Like, it's definitely made me grow up a bit. Like, even moving house or uh, moving to a different country, you have to learn a new language. You know, it, it, you got to pay them in, like... in euros or in sterling for the, <laughs> if they're packing your couch in and stuff. Yeah, that sounds really <laughs> difficult, man. Yeah, As if you were packing up the couches and the beds and stuff, which is... Okay, sorry, on a serious note, though, it probably was a big... Like, even getting other stuff organised, it must have been pretty tri- pretty, pretty trying, I suppose. Uh, yeah, to, no, it to... does. Like, it makes you grow up. And, like, you know, the, the, crew, the, the crew we had in Leinster, like, we went through... Um, you know, underage together, we would have played, you know, all the way up, you know, and it's very comfortable. Like, you know, there's a group, group of, you know, 10, 15, 20 of you that are all great friends and it's, and it's easy. Like, so going off and, and starting off in a new team where you don't know 50 guys, you've got to get to know them, you know, and it's great. Like you're uh, meeting people from all over the world, whether it's, you know, Kiwis or Aussies or French or, um, you know, even we have a lot of Islanders in, in Bristol at the moment with the Samoans and Tongans and whatnot. So it's really kind of opened up your uh, your mind to how how other people operate, and um, not just from a rugby perspective, but also from a you know kind of lifestyle point of view and uh, experiencing the culture in in France and and, and the UK. So no, it's definitely been something that I re- really enjoyed, um, and you know I'm very grateful to to have had that opportunity through through sport. I mean, yeah, I just have one more question before we let you go. Real grateful that you, you've, you've come on for so long. Uh, you know, going into the Premiership season, I remember you talked about how excited you were to experience it. Has, has any part of it surprised you? Is there anything you look at playing in the Premiership and you think, oh, that's a lot different to what I thought it would be? Or anything that's jumping out at you that you really weren't expecting? Um, it, is, it, is a, it is a very physical league. Um, 
Pat, Pat has me playing in the front line. He doesn't let me round the backfield like I used to be <laughs> Well deserved, so, my friend. Well deserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't plucked up the courage yet to try and persuade persuade him to get... <laughs> I don't know, see if Charles... See if, yeah, Charles if they're going to waste Charles Pieto in there. Forget it, man. That's a pipe dream, yeah. mate. <laughs> I, think would, yeah, I think it would take more than a coffee and a muffin to, to, get, uh, to get that one over the line. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, is it no, tough it is, though? It is. is it and like there's lots of games. I mean, it is like it's a little. You play a lot more games than you would in in uh, like as as opposed to your time in Leinster. I know you got a lot of games in Leinster, but uh, like is that a tricky part with, along with the physicality? Um, yeah, it is. Like the 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 real, the real hype here, um, obviously because we're in the challenge challenge cup. Um, you know, the Premiership is number one, and a, you know, a distance number one. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but you, but with that, you'd find like it would be like similar when when we would have been in Leinster, like when when it's a European game, you, you can feel it in the camp. Um, it's the same here when it's a Premiership game. It, it, there's big hype around us, mm-hmm. um, and that's great. Like that's what you want. Like you want that kind of excitement and nervousness when the teams announced, and you know you're going through the players that you're going to be coming up against, and th- there's real there's real quality there. Like it is, it is it is a very good league. Um, you know, littered with with real you know quality international players. Ian, thanks so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, nice and nice. Thanks a million for having me on. Mads, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah. four, four times a charm. I can't believe it's four times. But listen, best luck with the uh, rest of the season. I'll be touching base with you anyway, of course. But yeah. uh, really appreciate you coming on, getting some really uh, great information there about all sorts and getting into the nitty gritty stuff. So really appreciate it. Best luck for the rest of the season, man. Yeah, thanks a million, Luke. Oh, See you, boys. Cheers. Thanks, Bye-bye. Nice one. Bye-bye. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll actually be back later on this week with a special schools rugby preview with Luke Fitzgerald, Tony Ward, and myself on Friday. So make sure you listen to that. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until Friday, thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.